VIP day here at Abundant Life. And we are very, very thrilled and honored to uh, highlight the support, first of all, and also to honor our uh, VIPs here at Abundant Life. By VIP, we mean our seniors here at Abundant Life who have demonstrated commitment, sterling service over the years. And so, as a church, we want to let them know that we appreciate them for the service they have given to not only their church, but also to the community. And so we are very thrilled that you have joined us here uh, at our worship service today here at Abundant Life. We are still located at 1720 North J Street. And if certainly you can call us, contact us at 702-647-6. Uh, 2627, thank you. And so we are very thrilled to have you uh, with us. Also those who are joining us online, live at this time, we are also excited to have you uh, tuned in to us. Our speaker today is no stranger to the pulpit. He is a man of God. He loves the Lord. He is a family man. He is married to one wife, praise God. And he is a father. Now, I would like to share a couple of things about our speaker today, if you will permit me. Um, he serves as our head elder. He is a believer in Christian education. He serves as chair as our, of our finance committee here at Abundant Life. And he fathers uh, here, he has two children here, uh, Jezreel and Kobe. Now, I'm saying these things because, you know, people may talk, but I believe our speaker not only talks, but he walks the walk. Uh, and I say this to mean, I mean, his wife is our pianist, she sings, she plays, she writes songs, and she's a loving wife, amen? amen. And a kind-hearted person, of course. Um, but our speaker today uh, is, a, is a friend uh, to me um, and to many of you out there. He's an honest man, he'll tell you the truth, amen? And so we, have, we here at Abundant Life, we appreciate his leadership. Um, we love what he has done uh, for us here at Abundant Life. And so today I'm asking you that as he prepares himself to come and deliver the word that God has placed on his heart, I'm asking you to lift him up in prayer so that the Lord may truly have his way as he ministers to us. Before he comes and deliver the word to us, Elder Clarence Brown will come, followed by, or rather before we have Elder Clarence Brown, we will have a sacred selection by Sister Juanita Sinclair, hear ye him.
Savior lights our way. I thought you would say a better amen than that. I mean, if you got nothing else this morning, the fact to be reminded that there is a Savior ought to have us rejoicing today. It's already been said that today is a special day. It's the day that we here at Abundant Life celebrate VIP Day. Some other folks call it Senior Citizens Day. But because of VIP, because our seniors are so vibrant and they look so good, we decided that we'll call them VIPs. And a VIP, if you don't know, is anybody who's over the age of 54. If you're 55 or older, we consider you a VIP, and today we want to just highlight our VIPs. VIPs, if you don't mind, could I just get you to stand so we can see you and look at you? I just, I, I want to tell you, stay stay just before you sit down. Uh, I, you know, I believe, church, in fact, I know, and I think you believe it as well, that our VIPs are the pillows of our church. They are the pillows because they are the individuals who have contributed so much to our families. Amen? Not only to our families, but to our society and to this church. Abundant life would not be what it is today without the VIPs. And so on behalf of the pastors, the officers, our members, and particularly our young people, VIPs, I want you to know we love you and we appreciate all that you've done for our church, our families, our society. Thank you so much. Sinclair stands. Everybody knows that you are a VIP leader. Amen. Sister Sinclair, I want to thank you for the opportunity to stand and to speak this morning. Thank you. Now we have VIPs in Abundant Life then that range from age 50 to age 90. Where's Brother Hedwich? Brother Hedwich, I think, just stepped out. We have my grandmother 
who is age 98. Amen. She said, just won't you stand up for folks so they can see how a 98-year-old looks. seven heads. I'm the only one living. I could probably say that in my sleep sometimes. <laughs> Sister Cisco isn't here today, but if she was here, we would have a hundred-year-old in the house, right? So God has blessed abundant life. And maybe if we keep on doing the right stuff, we may turn 90, 98, and 100 if God doesn't come. I want to call your attention again to the passage that was read this morning, Psalms 90, and I want to specifically focus the attention in Psalms 90, verse 12. Psalms 90 is a unique Psalms because generally the Psalms are written by the prophet David. But Psalms 90 is unique in that it was written by Moses. And in Psalms 90, Moses deals with some issues that I believe our children, our youths, our adults, and our VIPs should concern themselves with. And so I want to try to do something that is really challenging today. I want to speak to the children. I want to speak to the youths. I want to speak to the adults. And I want to speak to our VIPs. He deals with three critical issues. He deals with the issue of debt issue of time, and the issues of wisdom. I want to call them realities. The reality of time, of debt, and of wisdom. Those should concern each of us. And as I read the passage, and Pastor Lewis didn't say this. Pastor Lewis, thank you for your introduction. Pastor Lewis is my mentor, my preacher mentor. So as I try to get better, Pastor Lewis is responsible for it. You hold him responsible if I don't do a good job today. But Pastor Lee was, as I read the passage, the question that jumped out at me is, what qualify Moses to talk to us on the reality of that? And so I got in the book, and I started scanning, looking at the life of Moses. I went over to Exodus chapter 1. Turn with me over to Exodus chapter 1, trying to look to see, is Moses qualified to talk to us about the issue of death. And what I found is, in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 15, it says that then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name, and gave some names there, and said to them that when the Israelites' women went in labor, that they should take and kill the baby boys. Gentlemen, we've always had it rough, you know. But he said we should kill the baby boys and keep the women alive. But the midwife, the Bible says, fear God, and they didn't do it. And when he realized that that plan didn't work, he said to the people, take the baby boys and throw them in the river but keep the women alive. Moses was born with a death sentence over his head. As a baby, there was a death sentence over his head. But the word said that his mother, being a God-fearing woman, stepped out in faith and says, my son shall live and not die. And I'm, what I was interested in is as I read the word, it doesn't say that the father said that my son shall live and not die. It says that the mother, after she had hid him for three months and she couldn't hide him anymore, and she got a basket, Pastor Lee was, painted it with asphalt and did an unusual thing. She put her son in the basket and put him in the river. Mothers, I think this has a word for you. The word is don't give up on your children. 
even when there is death and darkness and challenges all around, even when it seems hopeless that their dreams to be a deliverer will, will be dashed, just hook up with God. Because God can redeem your children through you. But my point is, Moses was born with a death sentence over his head. And every time he went out to play, Brother Hudson, he was reminded because there were no other baby boys, his, no other boys his age, because all the boys his age that were born to the Jewish families or to the Hebrew families were thrown in the river. So not only did he have a death sentence, there was a built-in reminder every time he went out in the play field to play that he was born under deathful condition. And then I went over a little bit, Pastor Lee was, <laughs> Continuing in Exodus over in chapter 2 and verse 3. Well, I moved on beyond that. Let me, I went over to Exodus chapter 2. Continuing in Exodus chapter 2. And I got there and I found that Moses one day went out and found that his brethren was being whipped and treated poorly by one of the Egyptians. Took matters in his own hands and killed a man. Killed the man, and when, when Pharaoh heard about it, Pharaoh wanted to kill him. And so Moses then was, had a second death sentence over his head. All I'm trying to tell you is that I think Moses is qualified to talk to us about death, right? And what, what's important about the fact that Moses killed a man and became a fugitive is that it tells us that God can take a murderer and a fugitive and make a deliverer out of him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I kept looking. I think I went over to chapter 11. And after God had done everything he could to get Pharaoh to release the children of Israel, he told Moses, I'm going to send one more plague. I'm going to kill all the firstborn. From, the, from Pharaoh's house through even the maid who is pushing the handmills. Even the animals, I'm going to kill the firstborn. But God told Moses, I want you to kill a lamb and put the blood and the doorposts. And that night in the kingdom, when the angel of death came strolling through, he started knocking down baby boys and growing old firstborn and old firstborn women. And there was a mourning and a cry in the kingdom. But God says of the children of Israel, nothing shall happen to you. So Moses is very familiar with death. He knows what it is to hear the groaning of women and men who've lost their firstborn child. But Pastor Lee was what I'm also very excited about is that Moses understands what it is to be covered by the blood. He understands what it is to be covered by the blood. Are you covered by the blood? You better be covered by the blood. Moses will tell you it makes a difference. It makes a difference whether or not you're covered by the blood. And I kept reading, I think I went over to chapter 14. And I found that when the children of Israel had fled from Egypt, and Pharaoh came to his senses and he says, my slaves are gone. And he got all his army, his chariot and his horsemen, and he started pursuing them. And they started complaining like we do. Moses, Moses, is because there were no graves back in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? Moses says, come on now. Let's keep it together. Let's keep it together. God is in control. And God told Moses to stretch his rod and the sea parted. I want to tell you, God will make a way out of no way. And the people that says the children of Israel walk through and dry ground. Smith, it's good to see you. Walk through in dry ground. And here comes Pharaoh and his army with the chariots and the people of Israel, fearful at heart. But God told Moses, stretch your hands back. And the waters swallowed up the army of Israel. Not only would God make a way out of no way, he will fight your battles. Even when you can't fight them. Moses is very qualified to talk to us about death. 
And then I went over to Deuteronomy, I think it was chapter 24 in Deuteronomy, chapter 26. And I found that when Korah and his clan decided to rebel against the authority, against the leadership, that God called them out. And this, what's interesting is that God could redeem a baby. God could take a murderer and a fugitive and take him from that status to a deliverer. But when the children of Israel rebelled against the leadership, God called them out. And God did a supernatural thing. God opened up the earth and took those rebels and swallowed them up. Moses is qualified. He saw God do a supernatural thing, but, but the message is here is if you are going to rebel against God, and if you continue in rebellion, there is no good solution for you. God will save a child. He will save a murderer and a fugitive. But for the rebellious, he opens the earth and swallows them up. I hope you're getting it. Moses is qualified to talk to us about that, and you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, I think it's important, because if he can talk to us about the reality of debt, Pastor Lee was, I think he can tell us about how to live. And where I want to go is that if you want to die right, Dr. Hunley, you got to live right. Are you with me? If you want to die right, you got to live right. And so I'm interested now in what Moses has got to say, because Moses has got some things to tell us about how to live. And he deals now with two critical things in how to live. One is time. If you want to live right, you got to get your time right. And the only way you can get your time right is you got to have wisdom. Look, look back with me then at Psalms chapter 90. I think it's verse 4. Moses first gives us a godly perspective on time. He says, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. How many years? A thousand years is as yesterday. Then he says, that is like a watch in the night. In Jesus' day, the Roman soldiers kept four, watch, four watches. The first watch was the evening watch. That watch was from 10 to 12. You with me? Second watch was the midnight watch. That went from 12 to 2. And then there was what they called the cockcrow watch. Brother Adrian, you know about that, right? Amen? Adrian, it doesn't look like he knows about it, but I know about it because when I grew up in the islands, around that time, the cock started to crow. From two to four, the cock crow watch. Yes. And then they, got, they took it up a little bit further, Pastor Lee was. Yes. From four to six, they had the rooster crow watch. Are you with me? All right. But those watches were all two hours. And so I went out and I spoke to Adrian. I said, Adrian, if a thousand years is as two years in the sight of God, what is a hundred years? What is a hundred years? Adrian did the math. And Elder Holiday, a thousand years is 15 minutes in God's sight. Mm. A thousand years. So Moses says, let's get this in perspective. Because of sin, we get excited over a hundred years. But Moses says, you got to understand the God who is able to number the hairs on your head. Numbers every year, every month, every week, every day, every minute every second that you live. And even when you've lived a hundred years, for him it's just 15 minutes. So I said, Adrian, what about, what about if, if, you, if you're like me and you've lived 50 years? Well, if you've lived 50 years, for God, it's like six minutes. And then I, I, I was curious about my son Jez, because you know how young people are, right? Jez gets up in the morning talk, walking around the house talking about, you ask me how I feel? He says, I feel undefeated. <laughs> and there's some other stuff. I won't give you all that. 
how I feel, I feel undefeated. So I said, well, what if you live 15, what if you live 15 years? In God's sight, 15 years is a minute and eight seconds. <laughs> a minute and eight seconds. Moses says, hey, if you want to understand how to live, you got to have a perspective and time that God has, right? And then he says, now, he, he, in this prayer, because Psalms 90 is really a prayer, he says, now you got to petition God to teach you how to live. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Not like we do. We think we have an eternity. Moses wants us to understand that we don't have much time. It feels like a lot of time. But in God's sight, we don't have much time. Not only do we not have much time, the time we have is uncertain. We saw that with Moses, right? As a child, children thrown in the river. A man went out one day to do his work, thought he was doing the right thing. Next thing, he was dead. The firstborn in the kingdom, they're about doing all that they do. They go to bed, and at midnight, and you know, I know this, there's just always, you look at the Bible, there's strange things that happen at midnight. It's important that you're at the right place doing the right things at midnight. Are you all with me? I'd be scared to be in the club at midnight. Because there's some strange things that happen at midnight. Strange things happen at midnight. You better be at midnight. You better take stock and be sure you're where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because there's some strange things that happens to midnight, at midnight. But what Moses is saying here, Lord, teach us the number of days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. He's saying, Lord, teach us how to treat our time, how to, how to spend our time in a sanctified manner. Are you with me? You know the word sanctify simply means to be set aside, right? Set apart. It means that we can't spend our time like the folks who are not covered spend their time. VIPs, you're listening to me? And, and, I, and even though this is VIP day, I know the VIPs wants me to talk to everybody. Amen? That's how they always are, right? VIPs are always concerned about, hey, are we taking everybody? Are we going to make it in, right? And are we ushering in the staff? So Moses says, we have got to petition God to help us to use our time in a sanctified manner. And how do we do that? Well, he doesn't send us to the wisdom or the intelligence of man. He doesn't send us to the great philosophers of the day. But he says we ought to go to God and petition God how to live a sanctified life. He says we must ask God for wisdom. We may have a heart that is open to wisdom. Are you with me? We must have a heart that is open to wisdom. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But Job in chapter 39, someplace around verse 17 or so, says a strange thing. Job says that God deprived the ostrich of wisdom. You know the ostrich, that bird? That when there's danger, sticks its head in the sand? The reason that ostrich does that is God withdraw wisdom from it. Are you with me? One of the other things that's unique about an ostrich is that most birds, when they, when they lay their eggs, they, they, they create a nest someplace in some safe place. The ostrich just lay their eggs out in the open where they can be trampled on. And what Job is getting at here, Job is really trying to get us to see that some people are like ostrich. They treat their souls as carelessly as an ostrich treats its eggs. You with me? Not only their souls, but if you come back a little bit, they treat their time as carelessly as the ostrich does. Job says, we ought to go to God and petition him to teach us to number our days. We understand we don't have much time. Our time is uncertain. And in God's reality, even if we live to be 100 years, it's only 15 minutes that we start taking circumspect of how we use our time. 
And we can't do that by ourselves. We must seek wisdom from God. That's my real point today. If you want to die right, you got to live right. And if you want to live right, it starts with your time. That's the message. I don't really have long. That's the message today. Are you with me? If you want to die right, you got to live right. If you want to live right, you got to get your time right. And if you want to get your time right, every morning, your first thing ought to be, Lord, help me to prioritize my time right. I want to illustrate it for you. Gentlemen, deacons, would you bring, I want to illustrate it for you. If you want to live right, if you want to die right, you got to live right. I want to illustrate what Joe, what, 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 what Moses is really asking us to do today. Brother Smith, would you give some help here? Can everybody see this? This is your life that you're going to live, right? This is how some people live their lives. This is stuff. People dropping in on you, Facebook, television, stuff. Things breaking, air condition, life, stuff. Some people take care of their stuff. They give stuff a priority. Some of it, they bring on themselves. Some of it just happens to them, right? And every day, that's how they start. They don't take care of stuff. Then they got to go to work. Some people got two jobs. Some people got three. These hobbies, just stuff. MySpace, Facebook, stuff. Some folks even go sit in the movie hour in the movie house for two hours, stuff. And they're just taking care, they just going with the flow. They're just doing stuff. At the end of the day, they didn't exercise, they didn't, you know, they just stuff. Stuff happening to them. Uh, let's get all this stuff in there. And you all know life is busy, right? It's just stuff. Church work, stuff. Church meetings. It's hard to sit in a church meeting anymore. And it's not two or three or four hours. And you walk out of there and you're like, Lord, what did we do? Stuff. <laughs> stuff. They may, they may get around to some exercise, maybe. And you know, I tell you, one of the great Stewardship that we have. Some people, when you ask them what is your greatest asset, you know what they say? The house, right? I want to tell you, we got an asset much greater than the house. Right here. Priceless assets, and we treat it so poorly. We treat it so poorly. And now we get around to uh, family. May, may fit in there, maybe. This is God. This is God. This is God. And God, God really needs a big trunk, right? Because, you know, God has a Holy Spirit who whispers to you things that you didn't really plan to do. But he needs you to be available because he has sometimes a divine appointment that he wants you to go on. But you got your life all messed up with stuff. You all listening to me? That you can't get to it. So God is outside, as it says in Revelation, knocking at the door, trying to get in, but he can't get in. What Moses is saying to us today is God wants to reprioritize our lives. Y'all with me? God wants to reprioritize our lives, and I want to let you know he's able. He's able. If he could take Moses, a murderer, and a fugitive, and take him from that status, to a deliverer, God is able. 
God is able. Just look, look, let me show you what he wants to do for you. God wants to say, let's, let, let, let's start this over again. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. God says, hey, first. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. First. And it can't be a little trunk. Because God, you know, God is dynamic. Sometimes you think you should go this way, and God needs you to go this way, right? you got to be available. And the way to get available is to have a made-up mind that God is first. Then this is devotions. Time with God. Yes? Time with God. And I don't know what you think, but I think after time with God should come your spouse. That's what I think. Then your children. Amen. Are you all with me? Then Christian service. Church. Community service, all that, right? But it shouldn't come before your family. Amen? You start taking care of this stuff, then your job. Amen. Then your job. Maybe your jobs if you have more. And then all, of, all these other stuff. School and stuff. God will take some of these bad hobbies that we have, the three and four hours of television watching, and turn that into some Bible studying. God will reprioritize and change some of our habits. And he'll put all this stuff together. And then here comes life. God says, I'm going to take life. And because I say, if you seek me first, all these things shall be added unto you. God says, hey, if you put me first, you get your priorities together. Oh, we can get it all done. We won't be so worn out and so defeated. We'll be like my son Jez walking around. You ask me how I feel. I feel undefeated. Why? Because I got a God who's able. I got a God who's able to work with me. He's able to work with me. And he will shake it around. Stir you up. Get you all worked out. God says, I'm going to get it all up in there. That's the type of God we serve. That's the type of God we serve. That's the type of God we serve. And on this VIP day, Moses says, let's get it right. Time is short. It's uncertain. said here I stand won't you please let me in and you said I will tomorrow Jesus said I am supplies all your needs and you said I know but tomorrow oh, tomorrow I'll give my life tomorrow well I thought about today but it's so much easier to say tomorrow who promised you tomorrow you better choose the Lord today for tomorrow 
could end, he would still be there. The one who created time, but look at this, the one who created time would do this, would subject himself to time and be born as a baby boy and come knocking at the door and there's no room in the end for him. He would subject himself to 33 years where he would show us that God is love. himself to hang on the cross. And as I thought about hanging on the cross, you can't hide. You can't hide anything. You don't have no time to put on your mascara or some scuff. You can't hide anything. Everything is exposed. You're vulnerable. People see just who you are, what you're made of. He would hang himself and be vulnerable before humanity. And in that process, that horrible process, Pastor Lee was, he would take my sins, all my foolishness and my mess, and says, put it on me. And he would take his righteousness, and he would cover me with his righteous robe, just so that I can have an opportunity to be saved. And you and I have the audacity to say, tomorrow, tomorrow, I give you my life to Jesus says, tomorrow, you may not have tomorrow. Today is the appointed day. The Bible says, today if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Today if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. First, I want to ask you, about, I want to, ask you to make a decision about your time. I want you to understand your time is not your own. It belongs to God and he should direct it. Amen? Point number one. So I'm going to ask you as you're sitting to make a decision that by the help of God, by God's grace, that you're going to reorganize yourself and start your day with God. And not only are you going to start with him, but you're going to ask him to organize your priorities, rearrange your priorities so you start with him and all of the things that he said are important. And then take care of the rest of the other stuff, right? But I want to tell you also because I think it's applicable as we talk to some of our young people about a young lady that I knew back when I was in Pennsylvania. And listen, her name is Audrey. And when I was at the church, Audrey was a young person in the church. And Audrey laid down when she wished she should not have laid down. And all of a sudden, she started to change. And you could tell Elder Hudson that something had gone wrong. She made a mistake. And we sat in board meeting, and there was a big fight. But the church decided that we were going to have to deal with Audrey, and we will have to discipline Audrey. Audrey had her baby. And what I liked about it is that the church threw a huge shower. And we would love Audrey every time she came to church. She had her baby, and her baby was the church's baby. Amen? And one day, a message was preached, just like this. And Audrey, who had been sitting in the back because of her discipline, stood up with tears running down her eyes. And she walked down, and she says, I want to 
I want to, I want to reclaim what I lost. She says, I want to go back in this baptismal pool to show the world that even though I laid down when I shouldn't have laid down, that I had a God who could take me up and clean me up. And I want to show the world that I'm not the same person that laid down, but I'm a different person today. That's what God is wanting to do with us. All of us are falling down. But don't stay down. Don't stay down and then don't wait until tomorrow <laughs> thinking that you may have tomorrow. Don't wait for some... Yeah, don't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow may be too late. What is your response? Time. Are you willing to ask God to reprioritize your time? If you, if you are, stand to your feet. somebody in here who may not be covered by the blood. If you're here, I want you to come down. If you're not covered by the blood, you are in danger because time is short and it's not promised. If you're not covered, here's an opportunity to accept. All you got to do is believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he's able to give you his righteousness, but you got to respond. Anybody here today who need to respond? Anybody who here today need to respond, want to be covered? If you're not covered. Father, we are so grateful. So grateful, Lord, that you are concerned about how we're going to die. And that it's important to you that we live right so we can die right. We can die like Moses died. Because the word says that when Moses died, that God told him to come up into the mountain. And God buried him himself. But he didn't leave him there. God came back and resurrected him. And so in Matthew chapter 17, I believe, verse 2 and 3, and the Mount of Configuration, transfig Transfiguration, Trans and that mountain, Jesus brought up, who showed up but, is, but Elijah and Moses. God wants, to res God wants to be sure that in resurrection morning, when he called, when the, when the trumpet sound, that everybody here today, if we're living, or if we're dead, that we all be caught up together to meet him in the end. That's his goal. I pray that's your goal today. Lord, save us, please. Save us from the foolishness and mess that surrounds us. We believe that you can, and we want you to. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. church praise the Lord as I sat there and as I listened I was moved by the word of God and I made my commitment to God right there